Bucks fans. How's everybody doing? Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. It is time for us to take all of your questions on Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. If you're not already watching on Facebook, you can head on over there to submit your questions in the comment section underneath our live video. Anything you want to know about the Buccaneers, this is where we want you to tell us what you want to talk about. As we give people a chance to start submitting some of those questions, I figured we'd start with some of the roster moves that have happened this week and what they mean for the team. Yeah, we even have one today. Um, Jaden Mickens, who was waived on Monday when the Buccaneers promoted Kenyon Barner from the practice squad, has now been signed to the practice squad. So essentially, you have a switch of those two guys. And they're both return men, but the difference is Jaden Mickens is a wide receiver and Kenyon Barner is a running back. Who, who Coach Arians likes quite a bit and even thinks he could do a little bit on offense if they decide to do so. But what that does is give him a little more balance between his position groups there because we had seven receivers. He can't keep seven of them active, but he would like to keep six and four running backs. So now he can do that. And if you really, really need Jaden Mickens to help you in the return game or some way in the next few weeks, you can always use up to two practice squad elevations on him while we were already out of those options on Kenyon Barner. So it all makes sense when you put it together that way. Uh, we also brought back uh, a blast from the past yesterday in Ted Larson, a, uh, a really versatile interior lineman who, who started at all three positions, has made a lot of starts, has started every, every place he's gone, beginning with the Buccaneers in 2010. Uh, but he hasn't played here since 2013. So a seven-year gap is a long time. He's on the practice squad. He could, help, he could be elevated if need be. So if he played, it'd be the same gap between his time here as Warwick Dunn had. And, and a lot of fans would remember that, the way Warwick Dunn came back seven years later. So it's kind of interesting when that happens. That's great. I, I love that. Yeah, I love seeing that he was with us so long ago and now getting like a second go around. And yeah, had been with Bruce Arians, so he just gets to yeah. redo everything, which That's is right. really awesome. Um, all right, we had a question from uh, Revan, I think is how you say it. I'm sorry. Revan? Yeah, I, I think. I've, I'm hoping I didn't butcher that. Um, he wanted to know how many wins do you think we need to make the playoffs? And he said he's watching from Denmark, which is really Denmark, cool. Denmark, cool. Well, what we know for sure is that 11 will do it. If the Buccaneers went out, uh, they're in. I am of the opinion that if they win three or four and get to 10 wins, they're almost certainly going to make it simply because there's only one other team that has seven wins uh, right now. And so everybody behind the Buccaneers has that could be in play have either six or five. And so you talk about Minnesota with six wins, they would have to run the table um, to get to 10 wins. And even then, that doesn't bump the Bucks out of the playoffs. So I, I don't, I don't, I think 10 wins is almost a virtual lock. Nine is when it starts to get a little bit hairy and some of the other teams could catch you there and then tiebreakers come into play. So, you know, if you're a Bucks fan and you're, you're trying to decide what you, you know, what you need to root for three wins is almost certainly going to get it done. So, uh, and really the biggest game of those three is this first one against Minnesota. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up is how important is this particular win? When you, we talk about the kind of overall numbers of how many wins and the different combinations of which teams that could come against over these last four games, this one in particular, how much would a win or a loss be different than maybe one of the other games? It, it would be really big. And even Coach Arians called it a huge game yesterday, and he's right. Uh, Minnesota is right behind the Bucks in the seventh seed with a 6-6 six and six record. So obviously, if they were to beat the Buccaneers – both teams would be seven and six and Minnesota would have the tiebreaker with that head to head win and, and thus would jump the bucks in the, in the rankings. And, and you just feel more secure at six because at seven, somebody catches you and has a tiebreaker on you, like say the bears, then uh, then you're in trouble. So 
this is a big one. If the Bucks could win this and get to eight wins and push Minnesota down to six and seven, you know, they've won five of their last six games. So they're kind of hot right now and coming in with a full head of steam. So um, it's the, also the Buccaneers last three games against Atlanta twice and Detroit are all against teams with something like four and eight records. So um, it's the one, it's the biggest one. It's the, the team is always going to say it's the biggest one anyway, because it's the next one. But if you're just a fan looking at the next four games, this is the biggest one. And I know that we've gotten a, a little bit of media session since everybody came back from the bye week. Um, and some of these questions have been asked before the bye week. And then again, now, um, what did you feel like the team really took the bye week to do? What were some of the um, takeaways or lessons or things that you think they got out of this incredibly late bye week? Yeah, it, it was weird. This is the latest bye week the Buccaneers have had since 1990 when bye weeks first started. And generally, they've always gotten around weeks five or six. And, and in those years, we always, we always felt like that was a disadvantage because you figure later in the year, more likely that you'll have some injuries and just basic aches and pains that a bye week would help. But this is really, really late. And coach had said a few weeks ago that he felt his team was tired. So what the bye week does for you, it's kind of different for players and coaches. For players, the main point is to rest, get mentally rejuvenated, relax. You know, if you've got minor injuries, hopefully you come back in better shape, like say Donovan Smith and his ankle that he played through last week. Hopefully he's closer to 100% now. Chris Godwin got the pins out of his finger. Jamel Dean was on the practice field after missing a game with a concussion. So it's helped in that regard. I did hear from Indomitian and Sue that they, they did watch some film during that period, which, which is interesting. So, but not nearly as much as the coaches did. What the coaches used the bye week for is self-evaluation of what happened in the previous 12 weeks. And they went into that bye week with all of the information already broken down. They'd already reviewed everything. And now they were going to study it and try to figure out why and how to fix the biggest problem of the recent weeks, which is slow starts on both sides of the ball. And um, Bruce says to him, he, it kind of confirmed what he already thought going in. The problem on offense is not converting manageable third downs. I mean, you get th third and five, third and four, you need to make most of those. And the Bucs weren't early in, the, early in the games. And on defense, for some reason, they weren't matching the speed of the opposition early in the games, even though they could do it as the game went on. So those are two things that they were focusing on. How exactly they fix those things, you know, is something we'll have to wait and see. All right, and we had a question uh, from Mike. I thought this was a good one. He said, with the new IR rules this year, is it possible to see Vita back in time for the playoffs? That's a really good question. And actually, somebody did ask Coach that. I think it was last week. And he said, no, he does not believe so. So uh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. You're right about the IR rules. They would allow for that to happen, but it doesn't seem like the team expects it. And does that include with playoffs versus yeah, regular season? Even with playoffs, yeah. Even with playoffs. Um, so we had a few different people just bringing up this upcoming game against the Vikings, and what are some of the keys you think it will be, the, the biggest players, positions, things that knowing how hot the Vikings are, how many they've, they've won in a row, essentially, uh, what are the biggest things that they bring to the table that we're going to have to watch out for? Yeah, did you know how good of a season the rookie receiver Justin Jefferson was having? No, I did not. I knew he was doing well just yeah. from hearing various things on broadcast. But when I started working on the Vikings this week and looking at the numbers, he's having one of the best rookie receiving seasons of all time. He's, he's got, I think the sixth, the most, he's got a thousand thirty nine yards already. He's averaging 17 yards a carry. Uh, I mean, a catch. He's basically completely replaced any production they would have got from Stefan Diggs, who himself is having a great year in Buffalo. Uh, but that doesn't make him the number one concern. The number one concern 
as we know, as Dominican Sue was um, stressing again yesterday, is Dalvin Cook and the running game and stopping that first. And they get 145 yards a game. The Buccaneers allow basically half of that per game. So this is absolutely strength on strength. No individual rusher has gotten to 100 yards against us. I think only one team has gotten to 100 yards against us in the running game. Uh, if, if some things have been up and down this year, the rush defense has not. It's been good virtually every week. And even against very good backs that have had a tough time cracking that. And that has, that's one of the reasons why the Bucks pass rush numbers are pretty good uh, because they've succeeded in their goal of stopping the run early and then having a better opportunity to rush the passers. So that's goal. That's goal number one every week. And I only know that because they say that every single week, but I think it's an even bigger deal this week. And uh, you know, Dalvin cook, he's great at breaking tackles. He's really good at the cutback run, you know, the quick plant the foot and then go back to the backside. And that can be an issue because if you don't, if you're, you're the defender on that side and you, don't keep your containment over there. He could be gone. And one of the reasons why you might not keep your containment is because the Vikings with Kirk Cousins run a lot of bootlegs and rollouts. And so they'll play action and he'll roll out and you think it's a rollout play and it's actually a run or vice versa. And that's really one of the big difficulties of stopping this offense. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, all right. I like this one. Richard asked, is Ryan Suckup on pace to have one of the best kicking seasons in Bucks history? Let's. I know, right? I know it's, it's, on the Icker it's, cake it's like what Joe Buck did to, to Justice Tucker the other night. Did you hear about yeah. that? He's like, oh, yeah, he's, he made, like a 35 yarder. He's made a billion in a row. And it's like, well, now, you know, he's going to miss. And so is he on pace for what was the question? One of the best kicking seasons in Bucks history. Yeah, he's he's missed two. He's something like 22 of 24. The record for the Bucks by Connor Barth, the guy we really liked, a uh, fun guy, was I think 92.4%. And I think in that year he kicked... I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I apologize, but I think I've got it right. 26 of 28. So basically, Ryan can get that record. He just can't really miss anymore. And, you know, hopefully he's made 17 in a row, which is the second longest streak we've ever had. And I don't mind saying that as a jinx because we already talked about it last week, and then he still went ahead and made his kick. And it's been in all of our notes. PR's putting it in their notes. You don't want to jinx the kicker, but you can't just ignore these things. So I'd like to think it can't be a jinx unless it's during the game okay like, that's my Fair. view of it is that during the week it doesn't count it's the like right before the kick that's when the jinx there's like a statute of limitations that makes sense yeah, i'll go with that I mean. in that case the answer is yes he he could have right now he does have one of the best kicker seasons in team history and he also is on pace to break the record for scoring so um which had brian 131 in 2008 i think and uh he's on pace to get that he's at i think 103 or 102 with four games to go so he get there that's pretty great yeah and see i i just have my view that i am not superstitious i am a little stitious you're what a little stitious <laughs> not superstitious not superstitious minor stitious that's my favorite uh okay delvin asked do you feel the absence of scotty miller has had an impact on our deep pass attack well my initial reaction to that is no for one thing he hasn't really been absent he's been there so we could throw it to him if we want to and we did I believe one time it may have been the play that was intercepted down the left sideline against Kansas city. I think that was a throw to Scotty Miller. Um, you know, Scotty had a couple deep catches, but so have other guys uh, when we were, when we were doing well in that regard. And then we did actually did pretty well in that regard in the last game against Kansas city. So um, I don't think just his reduced playing time was the issue while that was going on now. 
Okay. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks as always for all of those amazing questions. Thanks for watching and we'll be here next week. Thank <laughs> you.